Welcome everybody to the Naked Show. Hello. We're back with another episode. Episode 13. Yes, and today we've got another guest for you. Yes. Janique Amber Oliver. Yes. What an amazing chat we had with her. Yes. Such an inspiring person. Yes, that girl has, she has fought the battles of life and she has won i mean if by now you haven't figured out the trend we're kind of inviting some of our friends people close Mm. to us and all of that Mm. but people that have something to say and have a bit of a story yeah um the last episode we did was quite a hit Mm. everyone loved dylan Mm. so i think you're going to enjoy janique yeah she studies in cape town stellenbosch 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 cape town same thing pretoria johannesburg no, my friend. Mm. Okay, get into your car now, drive to Pretoria. Mm? Same thing, same thing. No, imagine someone calls you now, they're like, Oh, uh, Adrian, I'm out with friends. Please come fetch me. I'm in Pretoria. Would you get into your car and go? First of all, who's calling me to come fetch you? I don't know. I don't know. It's a scenario. But <laughs> no, would you go? I wouldn't. Pretoria is quite far. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's 20 minutes, but it's far. Anyway, so yeah, we had a great chat with her and mm. uh, she's so full of life and everything. And I think you're yeah. going to be so interested just to kind of see what some of the struggles she went through, mm. some of the things she's actually developed from those struggles, mm. yeah, and how she's kind of just reinvented herself and kind of just gone ahead with everything that she's doing right now. So she's got a, a social media pages for like yeah. a blog. and Yeah, she's got a blog, a design, design page. page. And then um, she does the PR for the non-profit organization. Usiko, yes. Usiko. Yes, we also had a bit of a chat about that. Yes. But we're not going to spoil it. You no, know, she's we're gonna not spoiling it. She's coming right up. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, so from our side, we just wanted to say, enjoy Janique. Mm. Uh, she's she's a lovely person, and if you are interested on in being on the show and you feel like you do have a story to tell, even if you don't have a story to tell, but you just like things, yeah, come. If you're a liker <laughs> of things. <laughs> then please just hit us up on the DMs. We'd love to have you. We are yeah. looking for, for for new people to have on the show. Mm, just um, to keep it fresh and different. Yeah. yeah. And we're thinking of we're thinking of, of publishing about two episodes a week now. Mm. And one of those episodes is gonna be guest, another one is gonna be us. So that's how we're gonna tweak the schedule. We just yeah. say that we were gonna we're gonna make some changes. Yeah. So uh, from now on we're gonna work on a, on a on a rigid schedule. So yeah, and we, we, we are looking forward to having some exciting people on absolutely yeah and we just hope that you enjoy so here's janique guys and stay safe okay so today we have with us i'd say a childhood friend of mine and still a friend uh janique oliver yeah um i don't know janique as well as you do but Mm. obviously i know of her and Mm. follow each other on the socials so Mm. you know you keep up to date absolutely so i went to primary school and high school with janique and it's been it's been amazing to to watch each other grow, I guess, and grow up and sort of evolve into the people that we're becoming or and reinventing ourselves. And it's really been lovely. So we've got Janique on today to know a little more about her, what she's doing, what inspires her, what lights a fire inside of her, and that sort of thing. So Janique, you can go ahead and just give us a short introduction of who Janique is. Okay, so hello world of podcasts. Um, I'm Janique Amper Oliver. I'm a freelance creative and currently I'm a third year BA language and culture student at Stellenbosch University and I do PR and communications for USICO. It's a non-profit organization that is based in Jamestown Stellenbosch. 
Oh, lovely. Okay, we actually wanted to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. So how did Usiko start and what do you do basically for them? So Usiko's um, already established. This is about 20 to 21 years running. Um, I'm pretty new to the whole setup and get up. Um, the first time I actually got in touch with them was this year, was through a mutual friend. So when I moved to Stellenbosch back in 2017, I lived in a guest house run by a lady called Linda Isaacs, and the guest house is called Valley of Peace. So she was actually on the board, the communications board, and they had needed someone more on a part-time basis in the beginning of the year. And yeah, I think I submitted my research or rather the marketing proposal to them in February of this year. And I was supposed to officially start my contract in March, but then all of the shenanigans surrounding lockdown and the pandemic arose and I'm officially unofficially employed. So um, I've been doing basically their branding on social media. I've been keeping posts running. I've been um, having a lot of meetings with staff members, just getting some stories written and posted. And um, they've been really invested in this lockdown period in their communities. So we started a GoFundMe page in March. I think it was, it went live around the 18th of March. And um, yeah, so I've definitely been just keeping up to date with them, seeing where they are, where I can help, because obviously it's long distance. So Mm. it's not your usual setting where normally I would be hands-on, I would be there, I'd get all the information in time. So there's been a bit of a lag with communication. So that's been really difficult on my part, because sometimes something needs to get done and like sent out and get the people seeing like what's being done and yeah so it's been really interesting navigating through that because I'm new to this position I've never been Mm. in a PR marketing slash communications position before so I'm I'm also learning as I go seeing what works seeing what doesn't putting something out there seeing what the response it gets and yeah so that's basically a summary of my like start with them and the roles that I've been keeping up with and what is it what is it exactly that, that they do? What, what, what do they help mm. with around there? So they're a youth development program. They're specifically um, involved in their community in Jamestown, Stellenbosch. It's a colour community, predominantly. And um, they run a bunch of camps throughout the year. They have aftercare program facilities where they have mentors and facilitators in specific locations that are just there as the support, the support system for these young kids who come from broken homes where there isn't maybe responsible authority figures in their life that can be there and support them. So um, they've actually taken a, like an extra step in this time where they went into not only their own communities, but communities in and around Stellenbosch. And they've been raising money for food parcels. They've been doing regular meal drops, food parcel drops, soup kitchen things. And yeah. I can imagine they must have a lot of work at the moment, you know. Yeah. Because obviously, please. with everything that's going on, um, they people need organizations like that mm. to kind of step in and just take over the load, you know. Mm, absolutely, and it's actually so nice to see that um, you've taken this on and just run with it. And even though it's the first time you're in a PR position, and also the fact that you're having to do it under such special circumstances must be very challenging. But I rate you're going to learn so much and there's going to be valuable lessons that you take from this that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to learn 
under any other circumstance, you know. So that's pretty lovely to see. For sure, yeah. For sure. Mm. And tell us, how did Nikki Design start and My Creative Expression? So tell, tell our listeners first a little bit of what My Creative Expression is and Nikki Design and then how it all came about and started. Okay, so I started My Creative Expression uh, towards the end of 2017. And it was really cool because um, I finally like had the confidence, the creative confidence to put myself out there. And it's been a journey because the creative industry is so competitive and there's the standard that you think you need to um, submit to or you constantly compare yourself to. For a long time, I think I was hesitant pursuing things creatively speaking because of, I think, I held myself back because I didn't allow myself to look at my work and say, this is good enough. And I really had to get to a place where I said, I needed to, I needed to be good enough for me first and then put that out there, put that person out there. So um, in 2017, it was actually my first first year, I call it, at Stellenbosch University. I did a semester there, and then I came home and I actually went through a really rough patch um, in my health. So I had open heart surgery in 2017, on the 7th mm. or the 14th of July. And then for the those six months, I was resting I had to recover I wasn't able to do a lot of normal things I was so used to and used to being busy and after all this time of thinking of so many things that I wanted to do because I'm passionate about so many different things it was during that time that I really like stopped to think about who this person is and what she wanted to do going forth and I knew that I had a story to tell and I knew that there was so much that I wanted to explore creatively and this was the time that I really sat down and said okay well, if I'm going to put something out there, what is it going to be? What's it going to look like? And I think I also got a lot of confidence from my friends and family encouraging me and just giving me the push to really just step into this and sort of establish this brand. So my creative expression, I wanted it to be an organized space where I could express myself creatively. All those identities that I associate with the creative parts of me, whether it was writing, photography, um, poetry. It was just like I wanted it to be a definite reflection and representation of who I am and like not just snippets of my life. I wanted to, to be really intentional with the words I put on that platform to tell the person that like gets there, like this is who Janique is and this is what she does, this is what she can do, this is the life she's lived. So, yeah, so it started, I think, officially in 2017, but my first blog post went out the next year in March, I think, 2018. Um, and that's when I moved back to Stellenbosch. I, you know, my life sort of started coming back to what I was used to. I was able to, like, re-explore, like, me in a different way because I was going back to this place that I was in that I was starting my degree and um, I had to start completely over. So I had to start my first year from scratch, which was very frustrating because I completed mm, my yeah. first semester. You know, I put in the work. I, I got the results that I was so happy with. So going back was so frustrating because, you know, mm. it felt like that year didn't exist to them academically, to the university. So I had a lot of frustration with getting credits and like just starting from the beginning and also, 
being like a lot like a bit older than the rest of the students at that time I think definitely mm. um frustrated me in like the ageism sphere where you get into this like lecture hall and the lecturer assumes that you're 18 or 19 and then I think I was very almost put in a place where I was just like very demotivated uh, demotivate for the first part of my second first year at Stellenbosch University. <laughs> so I wanted obviously to channel like what was going through that time and I wanted mm. uh, a space where I could just like escape and express those feelings and that part of who I was and my creative expression definitely helped me like along that journey of life mm. happening like things aren't not like don't necessarily go the way you plan and I think that's always where I found my escape whether I was whether it was writing drawing painting anything creative like that's where mm-hmm. I found my safe place and um amidst 2018 I actually became part of our newspaper Dimati student newspaper yeah. where I was a journalist for about a year and then I became the layout editor for the term of 2018-2019. So in that space I actually got to um, explore the graphic designer identity um, and I think it was from that that I really wanted to like establish my professional identity with my designs and everything um, and that's also just a very strange journey for me because um, The giver identity is definitely embedded in who I was. So for a long time, it was really strange for me to expect something in return for what I was doing creatively. And then when I was learning and gaining all these new skills and understanding more of what it meant to be a creative in this role at the newspaper, I really wanted to get to a place where I was confident. I said, okay this is the brand this is my professional brand I'm like heading mm. to a like a space where I might need the extra money you know <laughs> I'm like becoming yeah. an adult and sort of um so that's sort of how Nikki Design sort of just was born and it was a very spontaneous decision on my part I'm normally very calculated I take weeks to plan and obviously all of that still mm. went in I did plan I wanted like something more intentional with my designs. I want it to be purposed. And um, I just wanted to allow myself to also show that I could do that for me also. And mm. I could get into that creative industry and I could be in that like position and yeah. I could make a living from that. So that's what, sort of how that like was born and got established mm. and everything. And I mean, Freelancing is difficult, especially in a town where there are so many characters and it takes so much time. So I think with Dimati at that stage and like being a student, full-time student, um, I couldn't dedicate as much time to it as I wanted. So I got a few clients here and there, but it didn't obviously grow the way that I wanted to, to grow at that time. And it's still sort of in the infancy of what it could be. Yeah. And I mean, it's no secret that Stellenbosch is my favorite city in South Africa. Oh yes, I, you can't stop talking about I it. I flip and love it. And I mean, I used to love every opportunity whenever um, we had to go there with my previous company for head office stuff. Oh my gosh, I used to love it. Would you say 
Stellenbosch itself had any influence on sort of your creativity, your confidence in the creative space and sort of your design style or that sort of thing? I definitely think so. I mean, uh, moving from like Clarksop to Poch and then to Stellenbosch, it's um, three very different settings in different towns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So different. So They're all Afrikaans, though. <laughs> all, all Afrikaans, yeah. And I'm English. I mean, my parents are bilingual, but I just cannot speak the Afrikaans. Um, yeah. yeah, Stellenbosch was sort of like stepping into a fairy tale for me. Um, there was just so much going on and it's so creatively stimulating. I think just being in a space where there's so many different like cultures, not only like in South Africa, but like so, so many international cultures and cultures in the creative industry that's like so evident. It was definitely a motivation to like want to be creative or do something or try something new. And um, because Alan Bosch became like a clean slate for me, it was it was so refreshing to get to a space where I could like reinvent myself and truly work on who I wanted to become, this true version that is me. And um, I think all my experiences that has like happened so far at Stellenbosch and being in the space I was um, definitely contributed to that, like being at the newspaper and being able to explore all that the newspaper allowed me to. And then also in my own capacity, um, exploring my own adventures individually and then also based on those connections that you make in such an industry and um, the people that you meet and the people that you, you surround yourself with. I think there's such a vast like need for creativity, especially in this time. And um, yeah, yeah, I think that's... <laughs> so Janique, you, you, you mentioned uh, earlier that obviously you, you had to go back to Clarkstore because you had health issues mm. and you mentioned uh, you had to have open heart surgery. So just... I mean, I think I think people would be curious to know what 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 was the case there and what happened and how did you recover from that? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big operation, you know. Yeah. So um, the way I found out was very 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 interesting. Um, it was the day actually the day before my brother and I were supposed to head back to Stellenbosch. We were going to head down, do the fourteen-hour journey, everything. And he was ill. So we went to the doctor with him. I was there by chance. And um, I had, I remember coming back and experiencing like difficulty breathing. I, walk, I walked up the street one day and then I felt like I was suffocating. And like in my mind, I was just telling myself, you're unfit. It's okay. We'll, we'll get you good. It's cool. Um, yeah. And I went to the doctor with my brother and I was like please can you just check if there's something like wrong is everything okay and then it was that evening I was admitted to Wilmeth Hospital here in Clarksdorf and they were like there's an irregular heartbeat we need to check we need to send you for blood tests and sonars and everything so I was still in the very like I was very um in denial I was very Mm. much in denial at that stage because I was like, it's okay, I can go for these tests. Next, the next day we can leave. We're yeah. heading, we're going back to Stellenbosch. It's happening. So the tests came back um, clear in the evening, and then the sonar in the morning. 
um, showed that I had a hole in my heart. So it's called an ASD. It's an atrial septal defect. It's actually a birth defect that's quite common, medically speaking, um, that a lot of babies have. And um, it normally doesn't show itself until your adult years. So that's what was happening. And um, it obviously made sense then, like looking back at like my like level of fitness and like the fact that I was like already climbing mountains in Cape Town like before and then I was like no you're unfit but um it was it was such a surreal journey to be honest I didn't think I don't think when you get to that stage you really take in what's happening around Mm. you so the 14th of July was not even a week after we found out everything and we went to Johannesburg to Mill Park because we obviously don't have any um, cardiologists in Clarksville or any cardiatric facilities here. So my, all, my most of my journey from pre-operation to post-operation happened in Johannesburg. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I still look back now and I can't believe that it happened. I think the, the operation wasn't as traumatizing for me as the emergency um, surgery that happened probably about a week or two after that. So um, the, rec- the surgery was successful and everything. I was a week in recovery and I was discharged from the hospital. And when I went back for them to check um, the wounds and everything, there was a seps- sepsis. So the nurses didn't check me when I left. So we didn't know that that was happening. So we went back and we thought, okay, this is just a checkup. They were like, no, actually, we need to rush you back. We need to check. We need to get this thing and check in and see if there's something happening on the inside because they couldn't really see what was happening. So I think that was more traumatic for me than the first time because at least I was sort of prepared for that. But going mm. back and thinking you're like already, you've like, like won this and then hearing, okay, we actually need a like halt your recovery period and like send you back. I think that was really difficult for me. And the months to follow was definitely more difficult because I was home for six months. And um, I think when you're in the background of everything, what's happening outside, because a lot of people, your day-to-day struggle, and I obviously didn't expect to go through what I went through. Um, And yeah, it really stopped me from doing normal things. I remember like I couldn't pick up a cup of like tea or I couldn't walk so without weak, being know. busy. I was very weak and I needed to almost train my brain to to handle normal life again. Um, it was maybe a month before I could actually walk without like my mom or dad like holding me or walking with me or checking that I was okay. Um, for like three months I couldn't drive manual because my left arm was so weak because of the mass of the obviously operating the side so the nerves were cut and then the nerves need time to form back and then I was like I remember just getting like got in the car and my left arm was not doing anything like my brain was sending the messages (laughs) like nothing was happening and like it was those moments were so strange for me because I was getting frustrated that this body that I knew before, I knew how it worked, I could do the things that I normally do, and I couldn't do that. That was so difficult for me. 
And um, so it was quite, a, it was quite a, rough, a rough recovery. And I mean, how do you say you're, you're doing now, you know, mm. how, compared to, to obviously, they, can you climb mountains again or do you have restrictions or anything like that? I haven't tried yet, but it's definitely on the list. <laughs> okay. um, so thankfully, everything was in the clear. I only have to go, well, back then it was five years. So it's in about two years. I'll go back for a checkup, but I, I really am so blessed with the recovery because I don't have to take any medication for my heart. Mm. I don't have to put any restrictions in what I'll do in life. I can carry on as normal. It was just that those first six months were very crucial. So I needed to be very obedient so that yeah. I would like wouldn't put my body in a place that would compromise how my health would be in future. So I think now I'm. 100% this year I started exercising again for the first time since the operation which has been the best thing ever because I've been wanting to you know get strong again and just feel mm. like I could get that like that person back in some yeah. way nice. and you were only like 22 21 yeah, I mean young people aren't supposed to have heart yeah, problems I mean you know? That's old people stuff. I mean, last night I was like, oh, my back. Yeah, but you're like, an oldie. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeez, no, I think, I think testament, testament to you. I mean, I hadn't even forgotten about this, this, the fact that you had heart surgery. Um, but testament to you in, in obviously going to the doctor and getting it checked out mm. and, and making sure that there's nothing wrong. And then being brave enough to actually go through the surgery and, mm. and put yourself in such a predicament. Mm. And... Um, we were actually talking about this with our previous guests on the podcast that you don't have to do Boston record time. There's no prize Absolutely at the end. Not. Everyone gets the same degree. So, um, you know, mm. I think maybe it's probably a blessing in disguise that you had to take an extra year or something because, you know, things have kind of fallen in place for you. Yeah, and I that. mean, your design page, my creative expression blog was born out of this period. Exactly. So that's, it really is blessing in oh, disguise, yeah. eh? For sure. Jeez. But that's one wild story. I think we should have like just an episode for just the surgery, like you know. yeah, just that, just the six <laughs> months. <laughs> Look, I can't imagine. I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. Sure. That's a lot. So since it was such a difficult six months, the recovery. Tell me, what was the longest you have gone without showering? Must have been in that period. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, not. I have to <laughs> still do the things every day um, just with help um, because obviously you need to keep the wound clean and you need yeah. to change the bandages and all the things and check so yeah I think oh, when, when I heard I think when I heard that they were gonna you know saw my sternum in half my brain just I think it froze in that moment it like lagged there was something happening I was like okay cool <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah, that's that's what happens. That's what happens yeah. in heart surgery. Um, yeah, but I definitely felt so much stronger. I think afterwards, even like in the like the physicality of my weakness, I felt so empowered because like I'm like I'm bionic. I mean, mm. they sold my sternum in half. I have this like scar, mm. like that shows like everything I went through, and I was like, cool scar. I'm going to laugh about this in years to come and it's going to be a story that I get to tell and mm. it's going to empower so many people and I get to share that testimony about what happened. And there's mm. definitely so much more. 
that happened obviously from like day one to where I got to go back to Stellenbosch because it was coming from Stellenbosch and going back and yeah there was a lot more details obviously involved there yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Janique, we want to know, right? So, we're going to take a, a bit of a, we're going to move away from the from the surgery now. And we want to know. It's a lighter. Yeah, it's a bit of a lighter term, you know? Because <laughs> I feel like a, the, whoever's listening to this just needs to just sigh and take a deep breath. And like, Whoa. Yeah. And then. <laughs> and know that Janique is fine. Yeah, she's, she's okay, guys. We're say. looking oh, at her. And she's fine. Yeah. So, what's your biggest pet peeve? Lack of communication. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like tardiness or something like that. <laughs> she went straight to it, lack of communication. So is that lack of communication in, in, in any everything or is it like just relationships or where is it? <laughs> Funny you mentioned. <laughs> no, um, I think just generally communication has definitely just stood out to me because I've been experiencing this for the last couple of months. Just um, so I'm living with two other humans for the first time since like moving out the house. So I've been on my own since 2015. I've lived alone, didn't have to share my space and all of that. And this year I'm living with two other people. And I think in that situation, I definitely learned that that was my top pet peeve. Cause I think I asked my question so many times and I just couldn't give like an answer of like, this is the one thing. and. Because, like, we're re- relational to the core. We need people and relationships are always going to be there in any capacity, whether it's romantic, friendship, professional, even with acquaintances. There's some basic form of human beings that need, like, communication. Like, it's a primitive thing. And when the communication is not there or there's, like, misunderstanding, I don't think that the exchange of information is um, it is what it needs to be for both people. And um, for instance, we had this group project for university and oh, doing a group thinking. project in, in general, I don't think I despise group projects. I'm just not excited about them. <laughs> just so just tell us how you group- feel. No one is. <laughs> um, wow. Hey, and doing a group project during a lockdown has definitely been interesting. And it's been, what, almost six weeks now. And when there's no communication, like in a group project, just in the normal setting, it's quite frustrating. But when you add all these other like factors to it, that you didn't mm. expect to have, I think it's just doubly frustrating because it's not only um, the the lag between sending messages and responding to messages and getting the emails done and getting the work done and sending you half of the work. It's also just like the like there might be a path failure, which a few mm. people have been experiencing or down, and you can't get to the person get through to the person in time. So it's definitely been interesting. I think just so so much in this last couple of months. I've definitely highlighted communication for yeah. me, and just like in relationships, like it's so important to communicate to other people, just to you know be open about your intention, your expectations, 
and just so that you're both on the same page. I think it's so important. Absolutely. Well, look, it's ironic that the the language major thinks that yeah. communication is a, is a problem. Wow. I mean, yeah, I could have I could have seen this one coming. Yeah. You know? Just yeah. like I hate people, you know, and I'm the psychology guy. I, I you know, it's it's, it's as simple as that. Shame on you. Yeah, no. Shame on you. People are Neanderthals. That's Ooh! the problem. Don't they were raised by wolves. Don't forget that you are people also. <laughs> you are also people. <laughs> so, Janique, I, there's a certain shoe in my cupboard. And every time I see this shoe, I just think of you. So I remember we were in, in Florence in Italy, and we almost fought over the shoe. We were in the same shoe shop. <laughs> And you liked the shoe and I liked it as well. And we saw it and it was the last pair and it was both our size because we're the same size. And we both put it on and we both loved it. And I don't know, Janique is such a graceful person, babe. She has mm. always been a graceful person. And somehow she just let me have the shoe. She was like, no, you know what? It's fine. You can take it. It looks nicer on you. You know, that sort of thing. She found another shoe that's really, really pretty. You got that tan, not tan. It's like a stone. It's like a beige. Yes. Yeah, like a beige stone with the um, buttons on the side. And then, and the funny part is I've, I've never worn that shoe. That I've never worn you, What a horrible person you are. I've never worn You are people. Janique is not people. No, I, I, I genuinely feel bad because I look at it and the shoe is beautiful. You don't understand. It's this emerald color with this beautiful slit in the front. And I've, I've just never worn this shoe. So, Janique, now's your chance to just tell Boy Pelo how you really felt in that moment and just lash out at her. Now's, now's your opportunity. Go for it. <laughs> Oh no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, in that in that moment, I definitely think like it was it was your shoe, you know. It needed to be your shoe, and yeah, even if you never got to wear it, like you wanted it. And honestly, like even like the shoes I bought in like in Italy, I don't have. Like I sold those shoes. Ooh. Like I don't have the shoes. Like I bought two pairs, and I remember yeah. how I I really wanted them. I think yeah. I wore both of them maybe once or twice, and then I sold it. Oh, so wow. it's no longer part of me. I wasn't uh -huh. attached to them. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I'm, I think I'm gonna sell that one as well. I think it's you really should. beautiful. We, you and I, could use the money right now. So please. <laughs> Our broke asses. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna be selling shoes to make money. I'm surprised we have enough data to record this. Oh at the wow! It's not that rough, <laughs> Janique. <laughs> <laughs> so, Janique, uh, um, you have so you've, you've got a lot of ethnicities, right? So, what would you identify yourself as? No, she doesn't have a lot of ethnicities. No, but she's she's definitely got like a like a like a I don't even know what to call it. Like you can't distinguish her. Just you can't you can't her. place her. Yes, yeah. and quite a lot of ethnicities have been pinned on her exactly. that don't belong to. Her. So, so what would you identify as? And 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 you don't have to pick one, but just kind of like, how do you feel inside? You know. Oh, this is a very interesting question. Um, it's funny that you you worded it the way you did because normally I would get, "What are you?" No, that's <laughs> what just, are you? <laughs> that's just rude. We're not rude. <laughs> um, no, I 
I am colored. I identify as a colored. And for me, it actually took me a while to actually say that and um, value it because of how difficult I experienced, um, obviously, being colored and looking the way I do, speaking the way I do, you know, my hair texture and, you know, the way my parents look, the way my brother looks. I think growing up, especially in an Afrikaans town, in an Afrikaans community, there was obviously a lot of, like, stereotypes. Um, and it wasn't just from, you know, the Afrikaans community. It was from all sides asking me what I was, where I was from, why I don't fit the general constraints that the typical stereotype, you know, possesses as being coloured in South Africa and obviously not being able to speak Afrikaans or not speaking English a certain way. And yeah, so I think it was very difficult for me to find a place where I fit in or felt like I belonged culturally because mm. I didn't. I didn't belong anywhere because not that my parents are necessarily mixed because they're also colored the roots mm. go deep and I think I asked many questions as like as a little girl I wanted to know who I was where like my my forefathers or ancestors came from because mm. I wanted to understand I wanted to understand why I look like this and why mm. I look Hawaiian Arabic Asian Mongo. Mongolia I I think I've been called every other like ethnicity except my own first mm. before people were really like okay she's colored um mm. and I mean my my family is very 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 mixed like going back from both sides of my family I have like Irish which is a very interesting interesting okay. ethnicity to like in the mix yeah. and um I have Asian descent mm. and Dutch those are the I think the the most prominent ethnicities and obviously Afrikaans white Afrikaans and mm. it's, it was really interesting to see the similarities because from both sides of the family the women were mm. from St. Helena from the islands and the mm. men came from you know would either be Germany Netherlands or Ireland and then there was a bit of you know Indian you know from the, mm. the Asian sort of Indian side of the world so, so I, guess, I guess you fit in you fit right in in the kind of Cape Town Western Cape kind of Absolutely. setting because that's such a diverse environment mm. so yeah. my next question is you've you've obviously seen what's been happening at Sea Point with all the joggers in Cape Town and all of that so what would you like to say about your people in your Cape people. Town. Yeah, because it's your fault that we're having all these problems at the moment. I take all the responsibility and I just <laughs> apologize to everyone out there. We're, we're going to get together and have a talk. Um, no, I honestly, I'm just disappointed, not specifically like what's, what, what, what's happening in Cape Town, just generally at the, the amount of disobedience we've been experiencing. Because... I think all the world not just South Africa you know? yes it's really not just a South African thing I think we really need to be so responsible and just respect not only each other but ourselves in this environment because mm -hmm. whatever we do now whatever we're like whatever laws we're disobeying now if we're going out for jogs when we're not 
supposed to or if we're still gathering, if we're visiting, anything we do now is going to affect the next couple of months. And I think everyone mm. has just been so frustrated and tired. And there's so many more, like there's so much more things that are so much more bigger than us that we don't take yeah. into account. And mm. um, it really saddens me to see that there are so many people that are still remaining, um, that are breaking the law, that are doing things that they're not really supposed to do at this stage of, or this level of lockdown. And I just, I really hope that something changes because it's def there's, def there's definitely an, an uprise. There's an uproar amongst people because obviously this that we're experiencing, we're experiencing together. It's a global mm. trauma. Not just one person is affected. Every single person is affected. And there's an emotional like factor that I think mm. everyone is definitely been experiencing at heightened states day by day. And for you to just go out and go and live your life like nothing has happened is so irresponsible. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's definitely one of the problems that we're dealing with. And I think I've, I've been on my rants yeah. enough on the podcast to kind of voice my disapproval. Absolutely. But, yeah, Janique, uh, it's time for us to wrap it up. Yeah. But thanks so much for obviously joining us on The Naked Show. And please plug in your Instagram, your social medias for all your accounts. <clears throat> and also for Usiko, um, just so that obviously they can um, get, get a bit of uh, airtime as well. So please take the stage. It's yours. Okay, this is going to be a mouthful. <laughs> okay, you guys can follow me on my main account, at Nikki Joe. Uh, my blog page on Instagram is my at my creative expression. My design page is at Nikki Design, and you can follow the nonprofit organization I work for at Yusiko Stellenbosch. Yeah, so we we'll we'll obviously uh, put it in all those yeah, we'll when we as well. when we put up the episode. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much. It's so much fun, eh? It's been so and nice thank you so much for having me. This has been uh, so good. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's definitely our pleasure.